the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. And now for something completely different. Hey, I was, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm in three Halls of Fame. For the young fans, they don't give a damn. They just give a damn about themselves and what they're hearing now. And I got no problem with those rules. I know the rules going in. I'm happy to play the game that way. And when Ivan came off with that uh, knee drop from the top rope and he bent me, I thought that something happened. I couldn't hear a thing. You could have heard the pin drop in that arena. It touched me so deeply that when I went in the dressing room, I really felt depressed. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you right to his face. If it's Hogan and I, if he wanted to get in a real street fight with me, trust me, he would lose. And he knew it. You know, that's the other thing. They give you the belt, and they're like, okay, you're in charge of me. I was like, what? When you mentioned a guy like Harley Race, that kind of legendary status, it's obvious why people would get upset. Or as I'm concerned, Roddy Piper was not a wrestler. He wasn't even a good worker. If he had to go out and work his way to the top and not have good friends like Jim Barnett. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good guy. He's just not a tough guy. Bro, I swear to you, I don't have an ego. Like, I don't give a crap. I, that stuff is not important to me. People don't know me. They have no idea of who I am. They know of me as being a fictional character that they saw on TV. People didn't understand that, you know, the guy they saw in the ring that happened to be using his real name, that happened to actually be the president of the company, they really believed that that guy that they loved to hate was actually a pretty decent guy. And I think many people have the perception that I really was that character. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men, Power Trip of Wrestling. I've been trying to run this uh, real-life gimmick to be as crazy as Brian Pillman was. It's very hard. Guys, excuse me. Listen. Oh, hey. Are you kidding me? Wait, wait a minute. You got some balls. I got two minutes of TV time to cut a promo about Brian. Let me just tell you something. You know when I talk to you about problems? You know when I talk to you about problems? First of all, Teddy, you're one of the most... Innovative guys in the history of professional wrestling. You, you know what paid my bills? Wait a minute. You never helped me out. You Wait a minute. For my Wait career. a minute. You got blackballed everywhere you went. Your problems and your family's problems followed you guys. Hey, Kevin, why are we talking about dead people here, huh? Why do you care about us? What's this got to do with you? This is Brian Pillman's Jr. Okay. You exactly. Guys, guys. This is twenty. Get your, get your hands off me! Either you pick a side right now, or your dad picked a side a long time ago. Come on, you're an old man. Come on, you're an old man. Me. You wasted my. You were gonna pretend. You came all the way down here to tell this guy yeah. a bunch of stuff about guys that are dead yeah. that can't defend themselves. They're not this is twenty years ago. Booker man, this is the WCW. You got no power here, and you never made me a dollar. Hey, let me tell you something. You got blackballed, and you get it yourself. Blackballed for doing too many moves and working too hard for fans' money. Guys like you didn't do. In the ring, yeah. lazy piece of crap. Yeah, come on, this guy advice. Come on, fuck. Yeah. You're lucky. Squash your boots, Sullivan. Squash your boots. Get out of my retirement. Killers. Come hey, on. Just focus on protecting me. Protecting you. Listen, this guy's not a threat. You're hurt right now, but no more protection for you. You got to pick a side right now. Get your hands off me. Get your hands off of him. Don't touch me. Walk this guy outside before I knock his gun.
teeth out. That's and we'll see what Katie we'll Hart's known for having the biggest balls in wrestling. Yeah, Sullivan, maybe you're bad 20 years ago. This is 20 years ago. Oh! 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 Melt that guy! Don't beat the shit out of him! Make that piece of crap, please! You could brainwash guys 20 years ago. Not in this world, my friend. Fans watch YouTube, they know effort. And guys like us, This is a warning. Next time it's gonna be a lot worse. <laughs> you lucky God's protecting you tonight, Kevin Sullivan. Hello and welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP John Paz, and today's episode is a part of the TMPT feature series here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. And on today's episode, we welcome in MLW and PWI Rookie of the Year, former MLW World Tag Team Champion, the son of the legendary Brian Pillman. Of course, he is Brian Pillman Jr. And on today's episode, we are talking all about MLW and AEW. What is the current status of Brian Pillman? What is going on with his contract? And kind of seeing where he's at in the landscape right now in this crazy wrestling world in the pandemic era. Now, if you think about what he's doing right now what's going on he technically is still under contract with mlw but we talk about maybe him asking for his release maybe he didn't but we will find that out in, in this interview we'll also talk about if he is indeed a free agent or not because he has been on aew dark a few times and if you remember last year aew's double or nothing at 2019 pay-per-view he was on the buy-in the battle royal that was his technically uh, debut there and i guess it was because of a you know mlw letting him do his own thing and, and kind of letting him be a part of that which is great on, on court power and mlw's part but kind of where does he stand right now we're going to find that out and we're going to find out all about his matches in AEW and on AEW Dark, first against Sean Spears, and then secondly against the machine, Brian Cage. I just love for the fact, if you just look at the YouTube numbers, they skyrocketed when it was announced that Brian Pillman was wrestling Spears. So, I mean, obviously Spears has been on the show before, so you kind of just put two and two together and realize, wow, Brian Pillman Jr., it was a bit of a draw for AEW Dark, and the fans definitely haven't seen him, or maybe they have, and they wanted to see more of him. But they know, wow, that Brian Pillman name carries a lot of weight. And we talk about in the interview how maybe that also carries a lot of pressure as well, living up to that legend. Brian Pillman was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, just absolute genius, such a great gimmick when he did the loose cannon, such a great wrestler when he was flying Brian. So let's hope Brian Pillman Jr. can kind of follow in his dad's footsteps and just become an absolute legend in this business. Right now, he is kind of the uh, talk of the town as far as being a free agent, or maybe not. So I feel like he's got some buzz around him, and it really, really helped AEW and it really helped his stock that he was able to have some great matches with Sean Spears and Brian Cage 
on AEW Dark. We also talk about Lance Storm and his training up there in the Storm Wrestling Academy in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We also talk about the Hart Foundation Teddy Hart and Davey Boy Smith Jr. in MLW and kind of everything in between. But I don't want to talk too much about it. I want to send you off over the interview. Before I do, I also want to mention also a part of the TMPT Empire is taking you to school with Dr. Tom Pritchard, which is available on the TMPT feed. Taskmaster Talks with Kevin Sullivan, which is available on the Creative Control Network. Rick Bassman's Talking Tough, which is available on Podcast One. Shane Douglas's Triple Threat Podcast, which is available on Vince Russo's The Brand. And... The University of Dutch with Dutch Mantel, which is available on MLW Radio Network. So without any further ado, I'm going to send it on over to a great interview with the former MLW World Tag Team Champion, Brian Pillman Jr. MLW and PWI Rookie of the Year, a former MLW World Tag Team Champion, one of the hottest free agents in the game, Brian Pillman Jr. Brian, welcome to the two-man power trip. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me on power trip today. Now, first, thing, first things first, I mean, I want to talk to you because seems like, you know, you've been uh, a little bit of the talk of the town lately with so much stuff going on and obviously making a few appearances in AEW. But so what's kind of what's going on in your world? Well, you know, just like you said, I'm just trying to stay relevant, trying to keep my face on as many screens as possible. You know, keep this mullet on a TV screen. And during the during the pandemic, there's, there's a lot fewer opportunities out there. You got to start chasing them. Yeah, it is crazy with uh, everything going on. You find it's harder to kind of stay relevant and keep relevant during this? Because it, it is kind of unprecedented. Yeah. It's just uh, unbelievable kind of what's going on out there. So, you know, you made some appearances there. How did that all come about? Yeah, you know, uh, I've always kind of had a good relationship with, with, with a lot of those guys in that company. You know, I came up on the Indies with guys like Jungle Boy, MJF, um, you know, I met Sammy Guevara at one of my first shows ever. I wrestled Joey Janela in my third ever match. So I've always kind of kind of known a lot of these younger guys on the roster. 
Um, and then when it comes to, you know, Cody and the Bucks and Jericho and all that, those are the guys I looked up to as I was getting into the business. So it was kind of natural for me to uh, pursue an opportunity at All Elite Wrestling. Now, is that one of the things where they're kind of always keeping track of you, you're on their radar, or is it the other way around? You, I know you're probably keeping tabs on them, but, you know, are, like, are you always on their radar? You know, you're Brian Filman Jr., or, or is that something that uh, they're very cognizant of who you are and where you've been? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think I've been on a lot of people's radar ever since I started wrestling. I think people have been keeping tabs on me. All different, all different types of companies. Uh, you know, WWE has, has probably been doing their research on me too. And uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's just you know people have been keeping track of my development and where I'm at in the business and what my skill level is in the sport and in the ring, outside the ring, all the different aspects of it. I think those are all starting to finally come to a head. And the company that I've been, you know, always had my eyes set on was AEW, and AEW probably always had a good, uh, good rapport with me as well. So I think it's just about time that that all these skills are coming together and they're being used on, on a really big stage. And the potential's still there, you know. And I'm still not giving anything away, you know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, make my career last a very long time. Uh, I'm trying to um, just tease and just. Uh, start those those early storytelling moments and, and, and just tease, tease a lot of things for a very long, very lucrative career. As far as AEW, I know you kind of came back. You were part of Double or Nothing for the, the buy-in, you know, the, the, which was uh, 2019. But when you came back this year and you wrestled Sean Spears, what was that kind of experience like? Because that was surprising to a lot of people, and it did great numbers on YouTube for, the, for AEW's channel on Dark. Yeah, I think uh, I think we just you know we take it back to we take it back to wrestling for a little bit. You know, a lot of people want to go out there and uh, and do everything in the book and everything under the sun because it's their tryout match and, and and they really want to make it. But I just went out there and showed that you can make a statement with a lot of little things, um, a lot of a lot of attention to detail, and, uh, and 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 put a match out there that looks very real, very believable. And a guy like Sean Spears, who's you know a mastermind in the ring, but also a very dangerous man as well, you know, with, with, with the types of artillery that he's packing. So it was a really cool uh, experience for me. Um, even in defeat, I'm always uh, humble in victory and gracious in defeat, as I say. Did they contact you for that? Like, like, hey, you know, we want you to come in and we want you to be on dark. Is it almost like they're telling you you have a tryout match? Like, how does that kind of whole thing go out? Well, you know, it's it's just kind of the business is, you know, it's always streamly, streamless, yeah, seamless, endless communication. As I'd say, there's always people talking online, on Twitter, through email, and you just gotta, you just gotta pay your dues and do the best you can. But uh, what really helped me out was I went, to, I got to go down, and uh, there wasn't a lot of schools open, so I got to go down to Atlanta and train at the Nightmare Factory with QT Marshall, and you know, just kind of got myself out there just to kind of rehash my fundamentals but also try to remember you know you know where i'm at in this in the grand scheme of things and and and, and seeing how i compared and stacked up to their to their roster and their training facility and stuff too and, and i think i went down there and really impressed some people with my physique and my ability in the ring and uh and how comfortable i am in, in the ring and just being having having had over you know 300 matches at this point i'm really starting to come into my own and uh, again, like I said, with those relationships that I that I had already built on the indies and things, and and you know, make it, sometimes it comes down to making every phone call you can, you know, and 
and I probably made a hundred phone calls, you know, leading up to to that debut, just 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 begging for not not begging, but working, you know, working for a shot, really putting in the work, making sure people see that work, uh, finally uh, appreciating my value, starting to realize what I bring instead of letting wrestling pass me by. I started to make some very proactive decisions to uh, take control of my career and where it's headed. And I think that's going to be very pivotal, pivotal going forward. You know, I, uh, I always, for the, for the, for the greater part of my career, for 99% of it, I've always just kind of, you know, nodded my head, yes, sir, no, sir, and did my job. And, and, and to that extent, that's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my career. I'm always going to do my job and, and put my best foot forward and put my ultimate effort into it. But I think now as we get into the more critical moments of my career, um, I need to start making some decisions creatively and uh, in, in, in how, I'm, you know, how I'm being handled and just kind of sticking up for myself a little bit and, and starting to speak up creatively. Very good. You're very you know, wise beyond your years as far as, you know, skill level, but uh, where, where your mind is at is great for the business. So then, you know, they invite you back because that is pretty smart. You go to the Nightmare Factory, you do some training there, they catch you, they want to put you on TV, they want to see what you got in front of, you know, on, on the grand scale, and they put you in the showcase match against Spears, and then they bring you back again against Brian Cage. So what was that experience like? That's got to be kind of rewarding, you know, okay, they're bringing me back already, and I'm facing one of the bigger stars. Yeah, exactly. And then they, they didn't put me in there with just anybody, you know, they put me out there with two of their best guys, you know, two of their top wrestlers, singles wrestlers, some guys that are, you know, Brian Cage already being in that world title picture, you know what I mean? If I'm in the ring with him, that means I'm in that picture. You know, that means that I'm up there and I'm I'm going out I'm going at it with the best of them. So, to me, it was a, it was a huge privilege and a huge honor, uh, and I hope to see more opportunities at AEW in the future. What is the current status with AEW? Contract? No contract? Are you kind of still good relationship? Like, where does it stand with them right now? Yeah, I would just say it's it's uh, it's one of those things that you know with with MLW still uh, you know. Uh, planning their return dates. You know, there's not a lot of conflict for dates right now, so there's no reason to push a contract and enforce anything on anybody right now while we, you know, wait for the economy to recover and we wait to see uh, what kind of projects they have already in the books that are starting to pay off. I know I came in and I'm, I'm kind of a bigger project and pre- might need a little more attention to, to detail on, so I don't want to take away any of the resources and any of the time that's being used on the current talent to get them over and get those stories pushed through. I want to wait and see what they have for me for the future, but also do my job until then and and just, you know, do the best I can. So with MLW, what is the current status? I know obviously they're not running, but are you still a part of MLW? I mean, you're still under contract? Um, I I believe, I believe that uh, if if they were to run um, enough shows, by next July, I would still be under contract, but you know that remains to be seen. And I just wanted to make sure, for my own safety and my own career uh, credibility, that I was getting work and, and, and staying busy. And uh, and thankfully, even though I'm still technically under contract with MLW, thankfully AEW was willing to use me and, and put me on their show, and, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. And and if MLW gets back running back up in October, I would be more than happy to uh, continue telling stories there and continue finishing out my career there. Um, but as it stands, you know, it's very difficult to uh, it's very difficult to say that they can run, you know, that they can uphold their end of the contract. So mm-hmm. um, we'll just have to see if they're able to run uh, any more shows the rest of this year. I would say that you know if 
if they don't run by October, then I would expect my contract with them to be to be terminated at that time. So that's probably how it's going to go. I mean, no, no, I'm not saying that's probably how it's going to go. I'm saying, you know, hopefully we get some good shows out of MLW and, and we get back up and running. But, uh, you know, if, 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 if they don't continue to run, then I can't be, you know, held responsible for continuing to be exclusive with them. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yep. So I guess that rumor was out there that you asked for your release. Technically not true. I guess, or... Well, no, I mean, I, I totally asked for it. That's the thing. Oh, you did? Okay. I, I asked for it because I saw, I did not see anything happening for the rest of this year, and I wanted to make it easier for, for any companies that are that are currently, you know, signing other talents to, to be able to pick me up if they needed to be. Um, but because we have no certainty on when the next show is going to be, right? So right. I, just, yeah. I, just, I was just making a logical decision of my, for my own, you know, career to say, okay, well at least release us and give us a chance, you know, that way, you know, if you guys do need to take off, you know, another, another six months, another seven months, you know, cause with it, you know, if we, even if we run October, that's seven months without wrestling, you know, it's seven mm-hmm. months without shows. So it's yep. kind of hard, hard for the talent to sit by and just watch, the, you know, watch the time go by. Absolutely. But you know, no hard feelings to them. It's, it's, it's totally business. And I understand that I'm a valuable prospect that they want to keep on their roster. You know what I mean? I, I, I drew a lot of attention to the MLW product. Uh, I drew a lot of eyes on their YouTube channel, and the Heart Foundation as a whole was a very big uh, project for them and for us as well. So it was very beneficial for my career to be at MLW. But um, we're at a point in time, this is unprecedented times. You know, this is a pandemic. This is historical time here. So if we're not going to, you know, willing to uh, – change our plans or at least, you know, relieve people of their duties during a time of pandemic, then, you know, it's like, what else can we be expected to do? So I guess we'll just see what happens um, going forward. Of course, I'm whatever curtain or whatever ring I'm running into is going to be one where I'm going to give my 100% effort, you know, in or, in or out of any, you know, company's ring. You know what I mean? I'm always 100%. I'm always on. I'm always training. So ain't going to be anything different that, to me, you know, I'm going to give my best. I hope I hope that I can give my best to uh, whatever company wants to value me, right? Absolutely. And with uh, the Hart Foundation, I mean, you put you, you know, Teddy Hart, obviously he's since gone from LLW, but really, essentially, if you put you, Teddy Hart, David Boy Smith Jr. together, that's a hell of a trio. I mean, that is just awesome, just given the family lineage and the history, but also you guys kind of the, not up and coming, you're more up and coming than those two, those two are more veterans, but it's just the perfect mix of you guys. I feel like that's just like a, it was a great stable for MLW. Yeah. Oh yeah. So what did you kind of learn from being with Davey Boy Smith and, and being with uh, Teddy Hart? Cause that's gotta be a learning experience for you, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, you got you got to learn a lot. You learn a lot about. Sorry, I just got a, in an email that came in, slid in on me real quick. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's one of those things where um, you got guys like you got guys like Davy Boy with his with his with his experience in Japan, and then you got you got Teddy Hart who who was a big star in Mexico and, and then all over the U.S. at times as well. So um, it's it, it was it was the perfect cocktail of, of, of experience, of, of in-ring experience, um, storytelling, selling, you know, all that stuff that they all knew about because they are so experienced. They've been in so many different rings and in so many parts of the world. And it was one of those things that um, I might have learned a lot of good habits 
but I also might have learned a lot of bad habits. You know, I mean, I, I learned a lot of about what to do, um, and I learned a lot about what to not do. But that's the beauty of wrestling is, is you know, we don't have to. We're, we're each our own individual performers, and we can take the good, and we can take we can separate the good and the bad from everybody, and we can always um, learn to grow to become a better person through that. So. Love the, uh, the history there, you know, with obviously all three of you guys. So being the son of the legendary Ryan Pillman, was it always your goal to be in the wrestling business? Um, you know, it wasn't always my goal growing up. You know, young, young me, I was, I, was in the, uh, I was into sports and I was into football and lacrosse and stuff. But, uh, you know, b- being that my father died in wrestling, it was kind of sour grapes to me, so um, my mother didn't do me any favors really trying to, like, rehash that, rebuild that relationship, you know what I mean? It was it was more about um, keeping me out of wrestling, and, you know, it, it, I should stay out of it because it is dangerous, and it could kill me, and, you know, there's, you know, all these all these issues and stuff that, that, that was surrounding the business at the time. My mother just sort of uh, amplified those those issues and, and, and really prevented me from wanting to chase a career in wrestling. Um, but as I got older, I just, I really started to realize that I was naturally meant to do it, you know. Absolutely. A lot of pressure as you're getting in, being Brian Pillman's son, does that affect you at all? Uh, absolutely. You know, I've, I've felt it ever since the first day of training all the way up until the very last second. You know, there's always that uh that underlying expectation of, of of performing well, of looking good, you know, when when, when you're following the footsteps of a of a pillman, of a guy that was, you know, really a full package performer, you know, he could talk the talk, he could walk the walk, and man, he looked the part too, you know. So um, there's really no room for me to slack. There's no room for me to have a weakness. I have to be able to do it all, and I have to be able to learn quickly, and I and I have learned quickly. And I've been in a lot of high-pressure situations. And those are the things that guys like Davy Boy and Teddy kind of helped me with. They took a lot of that pressure off, that, a lot of that pressure to perform, because they were always there. They were always there to go 200 miles an hour in the ring, and I could only go 100 miles an hour. You know what I mean? They were there to go out there and, and, and do all the creative spots and, and, and take all the crazy bumps and all that because I was still learning, and they didn't want to get me hurt. They didn't want to overexpose me in this business. They really took care of me. So, do you think it's almost a detriment, a little bit, being the son of a legend? Because people almost, as soon as they see you, like, oh, you got to be ready to wrestle already, right? I mean, even like prior to training, they're like, oh, you're probably going to be great. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, unnecessary, yeah. right? Yeah, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely that 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 very uh, neg- negative connotation of you know super high expectation, you know, it's like, oh, well, he should already be good, and, and that was always the challenge for me, because I didn't grow up really even watching it, you know, so I didn't know all the moves, and what they were all called, and what people meant when they said, oh, I'm going to do a Guerrero, or I'm going to do a Jeff Hardy, you know what I mean, I just, I just wanted to learn from the ground up, I wanted to learn from scratch, I wanted to have a blank canvas, I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be taught how to do this. You know, I really, I didn't want to be, I was never like a fan trying to do my favorite wrestler's moves, you know. I always wanted to make up my own moves and create my own character. I, I never really, I don't really go out there and try to do other people's stuff. You know, I got some guys that inspire me and then some 
some movements and some things and some mannerisms that I take from a lot of different guys to, to kind of create my own self. But uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up in the business super obsessed with it. So it really took me a long time to really learn everything. And during that time, I just became better and better. I met a lot more people. I met people with that passion, people that grew up with that passion, and it really started to rub off on me. And and that's how I've come to be the performer I am today is just because I'm just so fueled by the passion of, of all my peers. So when you decided to get in the wrestling business, like you said, your mom almost kept you away from it. You really weren't into it as much. You weren't watching. How did you actually make the jump into the business? Uh, basically just I was 23 years old, and I looked up where to train, where would be the best place to train, and, and, and all the signs pointed towards Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Nice storm. Now, obviously, he legendary wrestler, and he knew your father pretty well. Was that something where he was easy on you or harder on you because of that? You know, it was. Um, he didn't want to make it too obvious, you know, because he didn't want to feel like that he was giving me any special treatment or anything. But I would say he was. He was definitely. Um, he was definitely a lot harder on me. You know, definitely was a lot more critical of the little things I was doing, just from locking up all the way to, to covering a guy. You know, he wanted me to have everything perfect form, everything down pat. You know, he didn't he didn't wanna he didn't want to waste any 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 movements with me. And and, and for that I, I really respect and appreciate him. But at the same time, you know, he, he, he knew that I would he knew that I would either sink or swim. He knew that I was gonna figure this out or I wasn't, you know. He he probably he probably figured I was either going to be a bust or a or a freaking gold mine, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, you know, he, he probably thought I could go either way, you know. He was like, all right, this kid is just getting into it for whatever reason, you know. He doesn't really care. He just, you know, he's pretty athletic, but he's kind of an asshole. Well, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll I'll put him through the runner and see how he comes out. And I think towards the end of it, he thought, okay, well. Let's, you know, this kid, he knows how to do it, but, you know, I still don't know. You know, he still wasn't too sure. You know, he wasn't quite sure how I'd end up until I went out on the Indies and really, you know, paid the dues and put in the hours driving and, and, and getting all over the world and, and having as many matches as I could. And I think once once uh, once my trainer, Lance, started to see me kind of rising up on the Indies and getting on these shows and really continuing up with the marketing, continuing up with the fitness and the studying of the matches and, and really putting my offense together and, and really finally becoming this full package star, which, which of course, I have to laugh at the people. And I don't really laugh like in a mean way, but I always laugh at people that say, oh, Brian Pillman Jr. is a future star because I think I'm a star right now. <laughs> Love it. Too good. You know, you I, gotta, I, gotta be like I came out of the womb feeling like a star. You know what I mean? I, you know, ever since I started wrestling, that's been the one thing that hasn't been hard for me. And that's being able to go out there with the most charisma and, and confidence in the world and, and just really carrying myself like a star. And I like to carry myself as as, as, a, as a future champion, carry myself as somebody that's contending for a serious belt. You know, I'm a very serious wrestler. I don't really like to do all the crazy, wacky stuff so much. You know, I want people to get lost in a match that they kind of believe in. And they don't really, you know, not, then there's no moment that really takes them out of it. You know what I mean? It's like... If I'm not, you know, I'm always, I'm always in there to win. You know, it's just, it's never, it's never about anything else. You know? Love that, love that attitude. The, you know, the, the charisma, the confidence. You, you got to have it 
in the business. Not so much. I think people do, and, and a lot of younger wrestlers do get lost in the moves. I see that constantly, that they think the moves is the most important, but it's not. So it's great to see that you've learned really kind of quickly that it's not all about the move. So you love the storytelling aspect of the wrestling business? Yeah, I'm really a, a big part, a big factor of, like, really serious wrestling, you know, like title matches, um, you know, like Cody Rhodes style match, you know, I'm very much, you know, wrestling's very real to me. It's had a very real impact on my life. So to take it, anything is short of extremely serious and professional is, uh, would be a disrespect, you know, to my family heritage in a way. So you mentioned you go back and you kind of study some tapes. Do you study your dad? Do you watch his matches? Do you see kind of what he's doing and adapt some of that to your own style? Yeah, I try not to, uh, you know, I try not to take away too much of it just because, you know, I, I've, I've always wanted to be my own complete performer and I've never wanted to, uh, you know, copy him in too much of a way. But, yeah, there, his work is so vast and so uh, credible and so uh, you're revered as actual, you know, when you actually go through and people tell you to study material, they they, they tend to tell you to study Brian Pillman, so... It just happened by chance that I just needed to look at his stuff to uh, become a better performer. It wasn't that I was looking at it to, to watch my dad's stuff. It was more like, well, we're going to have to watch this Pillman match because this is how you do this, you know, and this is how you do this. So it's like when your father is so ingrained in the culture of wrestling that he's actually become a staple for the education of wrestling, it's, uh, it's pretty much unavoidable at that point to study his work. Yes, totally agree. So many legendary matches, and even him changing and adapting his style as you know, as an injury came or you know, whatever happened you know, in his career. Later on, he would adapt his style and kind of change it and be more grounded. Then he kind of went into the loose cannon. Do you see yourself becoming not so much a loose cannon um, character because you can't kind of duplicate that? That'll, that'll never be the same. It was just so original, so great. But do you see yourself kind of wanting to create? a crazy character like that, or, or did, do you ever see yourself kind of changing it, just thing like he did, where he completely changed the times, he completely adapted? Well, you know, I, I think that's a definitely a, a lesson. The lesson that should be taken um, from his career is, is definitely a lesson on on adaptation and on character building and on flipping that switch. But I, I would never go as far as to say that I would mimic exactly what he was do- has done but uh, if you look at the career, you know, my father's career was only 11 years long. But if you look at someone who's had a much longer career, someone who's continuously evolved, you know, over the span of their career, someone like Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. when you can finally start to see my father's vision come to life through Chris, you know, that, that, that constant evolution of character, never, never knowing what's coming next, um, never quite having a lead on the guy, you know, always having that mystery and that, that sense of, oh, you know, what's going to happen next? And you can sort of see it with Moxley, too. So when you got all these guys at this company called AEW that have uh, truly taken the best bits and, and taken the advice of, of my father's career and from my father, and they've made it into a modern-day, you know, money-making business, you know, then it's like, it's a no-brainer on where I want to wrestle, you know what I mean? Uh, my father was scheduled to wrestle Goldust, you know, the, the, the day the day uh, after he died, you know? So I have 
sort of a relationship with Dustin too, you know, when it comes to, you know, just people that have affected his career and, and the, the type of work that he was doing at the time of his passing, you know. So there's a lot of uh, notes and there's a lot of hints that I can take from these guys to uh, benefit my career, like it's insanely, just like the advice that they can give me and how what they did paid off and how the things that they did maybe didn't pay off, you know. So it's definitely as a developmental talent um, with a lot of potential that's the place I want to be, you know, a place of open uh, freedom and freedom of expression, freedom of artistic expression. That's a great point, too, really, because your dad was scheduled to wrestle Goldust and, and, and just sadly passed away. So that is true. I didn't, didn't kind of think about that. Of course, he's going to have a relationship with you or maybe a little bit of a bond with you. That is very cool. You do have a lot of connections to AEW, for sure. Uh, Jericho, you mentioned being a friend of your dad, does Jericho ever kind of try to maybe get you in the door saying like, oh, you know, I, I love this kid. We, we got to get him in here. Or is he kind of like, nah, I'm going to let him do it on his own. No, I think Jericho has been one of the voices, you know, that have spoke up for me. You know, I definitely think he has been, he's, he's definitely somebody that got me on board at double or nothing, you know, got me involved there for my AEW debut back, you know, a year at their first pay-per-view, you know, over a year ago. Um, in May. So, yeah, I mean, or yeah, less than a year ago in May. So it was, it was definitely, uh, he's definitely always been on my side, on my team. So he's a very nice guy. Uh, he's a guy I have a lot of respect for. And, and like I said, just um, the veterans at AEW are, are so willing to help the younger generation succeed because there's so much potential there. And there's just all that needs is for the veterans to, to share their, to share their knowledge and, and to refine these athletes to be these world-class performers. And we have, we have, we have what I believe is, is uh, the future of pro wrestling at AEW. That is uh, for sure. I totally agree. I love too, when you kind of look back at your career, yeah. kind of think of like some full circle, like Dustin Rhodes would kind of be a full circle moment for the Pillman. When you were in MLW and you had Kevin Sullivan mentoring you, that was like a full circle kind of moment too, because of your dad's feud with Sullivan back in WCW. What was that like with him? Was that kind of um, knowing, I guess if you knew the history, was that kind of like a, oh, this is a full circle, uh, cool moment in my career that I'm going to be mentored by Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, it was really interesting working with Kevin. And, uh, you know, i got to give credit to, to MLW's locker room as well. You know, there's some great veterans in there that taught me a lot. Guys like Low Key, you know, Austin Aries came through while I was there, um, gave me some great advice on, on performing at that level, you know, in that weight class that I was in at the time. So these guys were very similar um, in stature and in style to me. So they provided me with some, with some really, really, really good advice that will last me a lifetime. Uh, really. And uh, as far as working with Kevin Sullivan, you know, yeah, just another kind of glimpse into my father's past, a really cool, like, last from the past moment. Um, another really great guy, older guy, but, you know, he understands the business really well, you know, understands the old school as, as well as the new school. So I really appreciated Kevin being involved in those segments. He's, he was such a nice guy. And then, of course, you turn on him in a typical Pillman fashion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Booker man. <laughs> yeah, that is great. Uh, real or not, because, uh, you know, he's in WCW, then he's in ECW, then he's in WWF. You, you never quite know. And, and I was just talking to Kevin Sullivan about it. He goes, I still don't, you know, he still doesn't know if he was working him or not. So, I mean, that's the beauty of him. Just so smart and ahead of his time. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Still doesn't know. Yeah. No, I mean, they, you know, they definitely know 
looking back, you know, what went down. But, yeah, it was, a unique, it was a unique time. You know, you didn't have the cell phones, you didn't have the social media. You know, people kept their secrets. You know, people didn't go out and talk about what was going on behind closed doors or, you know, maybe you had the dirt sheets or something. But, mm-hmm. but even then, you know, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. It was a beautiful time. And, and I think now is a great time, too. I, I love the, the interaction of social media with the fans. I love getting to tell our stories online in, in a way that's really believable because it comes from a place of, you know, oh, this is social media, this is genuine. But, you know, we can really flip the script on the fans and really get them enticed into what we're doing. Now, as we hit the wind down and head towards the finish, I just got to ask this because you've been in the ring with some great wrestlers. I mean, Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, Hammerstone is great. You mentioned MJF before. Uh, Richard Holiday is kind of an up-and-coming guy. Uh, Dragon Lee, and another just great guy. But do you have some favorite matches and some favorite opponents in uh, in your short career so far? Well, yeah, you were just you were just mentioning it. You know, like uh, you know, I thought I thought even though I like I said, gracious in defeat, humble in victory. You know, even though I passed the title up to uh, Alex Hammerson in the national title in MLW, I thought that was a great match. I thought there was a great story uh, behind it. You know, Alex had just got off the plane from Arizona, his flight was six hours late, and we went out there and we put on a classic match for, for the people that really enjoyed it, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things, like it was like a big learning experience for me, and it was a big match, so it was like I had all this pressure to like kind of more or less lead this match for a guy that was just getting off, you know, getting off the fucking airplane, and being that he's, you know, all, like, you know, a decade more experienced than me, you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, well, now it's time for me and put these boots on and go out there and show what I can do. And, uh, and of course, everybody was really happy with it. I was really happy with it. And uh, I was very, very, very happy to just crown a new, uh, a new belt for somebody and really put a guy over and, and make him look like this huge monster because that's what he is. You know, he's an incredible athlete. He is, you know, a very big future star for the wrestling business. He's just – he hasn't even – he hasn't even gotten close to really peaking as far as his popularity goes and, and his dominance goes. Like, he's just starting to scratch the surface, and it's just really beautiful to see. So, Absolutely. He's definitely uh, definitely going to be somebody uh, to look out for. As far as, like, dream matches, guys you haven't wrestled yet that you want to wrestle, is there a few that you can think of? Yeah, I mean, most of my dream matches, uh, I guess it helps that the, most of them are at, at AEW, you know, uh, I had a lot of really good dream matches at MLW. I pretty much wrestled everybody on their roster, you know, that 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 was that that really that I was really looking forward to, and I told a lot of good stories there. So I feel like you know it's time to go somewhere and tell some new stories. And I think um, I think I would tell a great story with John Moxley, you know, a couple guys from Cincinnati, a couple guys that that never really had it easy. You know, we kind of came up on the street, getting in with the wrong kind of crowd, you know, and and sports and stuff kind of helped me get away from that, and I don't know what his escape was. Maybe wrestling was his escape at the time when he was younger, going through some hard times, and, and wrestling ultimately paid off for him. And uh, I think he took some inspiration from my father's work as well. So we could kind of meet in the middle on a really cool story to tell there. Um, I think I could tell – I think I could have a great match with Cody, you know. But like I said, going for that title, always taking matches seriously, really wanting to have that big match, really wanting to have that moment that people remember you know, in the back of their minds, like, oh, that's when the TNT title title was really put on the line, you know, Tillman won the title, or maybe he was so close, you know, that it was so real, and uh, yeah, and I think we talked about earlier, too, Gold Dust, there's some unfinished business to tell 
the stories to tell with Goldust, phenomenal athlete, even even in his age. Um, he's he's basically the head trainer at the at the Jacksonville Stadium for the for the girls wrestling and the promo segments. He's you know he's really helping people out with promos. Um, so just just a whole a whole slew of dream matches, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, that would be excellent if you could challenge Cody for that TNT title. Got I was, I was always, and I was always yeah. a very big fan of uh, Kenny Omega coming up in the business. I really enjoyed his work. So when you kind of just look at your career right now, let's just say five years from now, where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? Just wrestling? Do you want to be doing maybe some acting, some other things? Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, in five years, you know, I'd like to say that uh, I want to stay focused on wrestling. Um, I would like to say that the next company I'm with, I want to be with for at least 10 years. Um, that way I get a nice, long, you know, good career run out of that company. Um, very, you know, try to stay loyal with somebody, you know. There's a lot going on in the wrestling business, but I've always wanted to be a part of a family. You know, I've always wanted to be able to say, okay, when I go to the when I go to work, these are the people I trust. And, you know, these are the people that are going to have my back from day one all the way till the end. So, um, I think, you know, five years, I think within five years, I could be a world champion in a major produ- production, in a major company on television, without a doubt. Love it. The confidence uh, coming through. I love it. you got to stay uh, cocky confident in the wrestling business. That's I'm for sure. sure. Now, do you have some plugs, some social media you want to get out there? I know you're, uh, you're out and about always on social media, but please give us all your plugs. Uh, yeah, thank you. You know, you can always catch me on Twitter at Flying Brian Jr. or Instagram at Flying Brian 41. All right, Brian Coleman Jr., awesome to get to chat with you. Love what you're doing now. Can't wait to see what you're going to be doing just in a few short months. I feel like, uh, you know, slowly but surely you're going to be blowing up uh, in the wrestling business. And being the son of the legendary Brian Pillman, I think it's going to come naturally to you for sure. Hey, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you having me on today. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.